Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to the Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Wednesday, November 15th. Today, Colorado Sun political reporters Jesse Paul and Brian Eason talk about what to expect during the special legislative session on property tax relief that begins Friday following the failure of Proposition HH. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our sponsor, the Colorado Department of Healthcare Policy and Financing. HCPF is raising awareness of the invaluable roles of direct care workers and the direct care workforce in Colorado. Direct care workers play a crucial role in enhancing the lives of individuals requiring assistance due to disability, age, or illness. Learn more about the impact of these workers and how to become one by visiting hcpf.colorado.gov slash direct-care-spotlight. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. On this day in 1806, Lieutenant Zebulon Pike spotted a mountain in present-day Brent County, which he named Grand Peak. The mountain was known to the Utes as Taba and to the Spanish as Montaña del Sol, but now it's named Pike's Peak. Pike's expedition aimed to understand the geography and resources of the Louisiana Purchase, as well as build relations with Native American cultures. The explorers entered modern Colorado via the Arkansas River and established a base near Pueblo. Pike attempted to climb the mountain with a small group, but found it challenging due to its height and snow-covered summit. These days, you'll have an easier time getting to the top. Before we continue, another quick message. On December 5th, First Bank and Colorado Gives Foundation are proud to present Colorado Gives Day, a one-day online fundraiser for local nonprofits. Since 2010, people just like you have raised $415 million, and over $53 million was donated last year alone. To elevate giving, First Bank and other sponsors have contributed more than $1 million to amplify every donation made, which makes Colorado Gives Day easily the best day to give. So let's start a wave of generosity. Donate at coloradogivesday.org. First Bank. Banking for good. Member FDIC. Next, our feature story. Good morning, SunUp listeners. This is Jesse Paul on the politics team here with Brian Eason for his debut on the SunUp podcast. And we're here to talk about the special legislative session on property tax relief that's going to start on Friday. And this comes after the failure last week of Proposition HH at the ballot box. Voters really soundly defeated that. It was like a 60-40 defeat for the measure. Votes are still being counted, but 19 or 20 percentage points doesn't really matter. It was it was a very clear, strong rejection of that. It sent Democrats and Governor Jared Polis back to the property tax relief drawing board. And so now the governor has called this special session. Brian, you were there last week at the news conference at the governor's mansion where Polis called for the special session. What did the governor say? And did he lay out any specific goals or policy plans for the legislature? Yeah, so he he asked lawmakers back uh, starting this Friday, and, and he really wants them to get something done on tax relief by Thanksgiving. Um, and there's some some real urgency to this. Uh, local governments are in the middle of setting their budgets, and you know they have to certify their tax rates by mid December. So there there's really not a lot of time for lawmakers to get something done. Um, but the governor was very upfront about the fact that he didn't have a specific plan. Um, he's really leaving it to lawmakers to figure it out, which is really a big contrast from what happened earlier this year when when his office was really the driving force behind writing Proposition HH in the first place. Um, what he did say, and this is all in his executive order as well, is that 
he wants lawmakers to look at, at three funding sources, right? Um, and the reason they need funding sources is because if you cut local property taxes, that has effects on schools and local governments that, that rely on those dollars. Um, so two of these funding sources were stuff that were already in Proposition HH. So there was a $200 million um, set aside that they used of general fund money that would kind of help pay back local governments and schools some of their lost revenue. Um, and they're also going to use a lot of Tabor surplus. Um, so under the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, uh, there's a cap on on state revenue. They were going to take a little bit of that that money that would go to taxpayer refunds and use that to, to pay for Proposition HH. Um, so those are two of the things Polis wants to look at. And the third is the is the general fund reserve. Um, the state right now has a 15, keeps 15% of what it spends uh, in, in a bank account for a rainy day. Um, Polis wants to look at using that. Uh, a lot of Democrats are saying, let's not do that. Yeah, I spoke to some of the top Democrats in the legislature yesterday, and they were kind of saying, under no circumstances do we want to touch that reserve. It's meant as the rainy day fund. We want to keep it around. We worked hard to get it to 15%. But certainly we already know that Republicans want to do a, a larger property tax cut than even what Proposition HH would have done and to refund that or, or backfill that uh, local government or school impact from that general fund reserve money. And again, Democrats are saying that that's a non-starter. It's interesting that you talk about Tabor surplus since that was what Republicans fought against with Proposition HH. They didn't want any of that money that was going to be refunded to be touched. But there's a roadmap for Democrats to do this. We talked about it in last week's episode. They did in 2022 in a bipartisan property tax relief bill. And it wouldn't be quite as much money as Proposition HH or quite as long lasting. So it'll be interesting to see if there's some kind of legislative compromise that can be reached there. We kind of already know some of the contours of what they're talking about. It sounds like a value exemption, maybe an assessment rate reduction. Uh, and you can read more about that at CalderSun.com as the week goes on and we start to kind of parse out what some of these ideas are. One of the things that I thought was interesting, Brian, was in the unaffiliated on Tuesday, you had written a little bit about how there might be an, a hiccup with that $200 million set aside from the general fund. Can you talk about that and what it means for the special session? Yeah. So if you read the the governor's budget proposal closely, uh, he actually has that $200 million penciled in for the next budget year. This is 2024, 2025. Um, and that's not what, what Proposition HH said. I mean, that measure if it had passed, would have set aside $200 million in the current budget. Now, you know, these are all numbers on a page at this point. Um, obviously, Proposition HH didn't pass, and next year's budget hasn't even been discussed yet. But but the reason that it matters is if you take that $200 million and you put it back into the current budget, the state could actually be about $50 million short of having a balanced budget. So what does that mean? That means you've got to dip into the into the reserves just to fund the initial two hundred million dollars that everyone thinks that they have, um, let alone any any additional money to pay for for larger tax cuts. Okay, so it sounds like maybe more of that taper surplus might be used than we thought of, considering that Democrats who are in the majority say it's a non-starter to dig into the general fund reserve to backfill local governments what they would would have lost for any property tax relief. I think the broad picture here, the important thing to underline is that. There really is no plan heading into this special session, which was is quite unique from the special sessions that you and I have covered previously, which is where you have the bill and then you call the special session. And the reason to do that is because you don't want the session to drag on for days and days and days and for debate to kind of continue going. 
I think what's unique about this special session is not only is there the December 15th deadline that they're trying to work against for local governments setting their budget, but there's also this little thing called Thanksgiving that uh, lawmakers probably don't want to be at the Capitol for. I certainly don't want to be on the ca- at the Capitol on Thanksgiving. So interesting decision by the governor to start this on the Friday before Thanksgiving, adding a little bit more uh, pressure to the pressure cooker that's go- always a Capitol under a special session. So I know we'll be feeling that pressure <laughs> come Friday and over the weekend. So I think it's important to highlight here that we're really only talking about short-term relief, right? This is only relief for the 2023 tax year for taxes paid next year. This isn't going to be a long-term property tax solution debated during the special session like Proposition HH. Am I right on that? Yeah, that's right. And and that, that's important for a couple of reasons. One, it's just less money, right? Like we're not talking about billions of dollars in future Tabor refunds going into this like we were with Proposition HH. That makes it a little bit easier to get things done, right? Um, uh, it also means that, you know, local governments that I've talked to are, you know, a little bit, they're a little more okay with like a temporary cut, right? Um, uh, the folks I've talked to have said, you know, we can handle a, a one-year cut, that type of thing. Uh, the problem is, you know, when you cut property taxes in Colorado, it usually doesn't go back up. While, yes, this is a this is supposed to be a temporary fix, and Governor Polis has called for a, a commission to kind of talk about a long-term solution for, for to, that would limit property taxes without harming local services. All that said, what we see over and over again in Colorado tax policy is that things that we think maybe are temporary, they end up having long-lasting uh, effects. All right. The word commission in the Colorado legislature typically means inaction. So that is interesting that the governor is calling for that considering the stakes that are at play. So heading into Friday, as we prepare for this special session and to hang out at the Capitol with the lawmakers over the weekend, the people that we didn't think we were going to have to see until January when the legislature reconvenes for its normal lawmaking term, what are the other things you're going to be watching for as, as lawmakers get back together for this? Yeah, so one big thing is just is just kind of seeing the the fault lines in, in the Democratic Party. Um, there's been this kind of this long-standing split between progressives in the party and the governor himself. Um, you know, progressives really want to see any tax relief that comes out of this uh, session to be more targeted toward low-income folks and middle-class folks. Um, they felt that Polis's original proposal was. Uh, would have cut taxes too much for wealthier Coloradans. How that plays out will be interesting. And, and then on the other side, you know, you're going to have Republicans who are going to be using their megaphone to talk about how voters just rejected Proposition HH. And in their view, what they rejected was uh, reducing Tabor refund. And so uh, they're going to be hammering Democrats on look, voters just said to leave the Tabor refunds alone. Uh, and now we're going back into session and doing the same thing, potentially. They're most likely going to be looking at some sort of reduction in Tabor refunds to to pay for all this. I think something else to keep tabs on is how this plays out for Governor Jared Polis. The failure of Proposition HH is one of the biggest policy defeats of his uh, tenure since he went into office in 2019, early 2019. This is, this is a, a big failure for him. And so far, I think he's been able to kind of sidestep some criticism for it. Uh, but but if this fails, if the legislative session, the special session doesn't go his way, does he take responsibility for it? Does he kind of try and take a step back away from it? If they're successful during the session, if they pass some kind of short-term relief, 
does the governor take responsibility for that? Does he celebrate it? Does he going on a victory tour in that sense? So I think that that'll be kind of interesting to see how it plays out. And also to see, you know, if Republicans stand up there and, and take pot shots at Democrats and the governor for however many days this special session lasts. This is kind of a giant megaphone, as you said, right, for, for them to just go on the offensive against uh, Democrats. Not not very often do you have so many journalists focus on the Capitol on one big issue just like this one is going to be. So a lot of attention on on property taxes, which I know you and I like to nerd out about, a lot of attention on, on the capital and the political dynamics here. It'd be pretty, pretty fascinating to see how the, the special session unfolds. All right, Brian, well, excited to hang out with you at the Capitol this weekend. Thanks for joining me on this, on this daily setup. Thanks so much, man. Glad to, glad to finally do one of these. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. A federal judge has declined to stop Colorado from enforcing a new three-day waiting period on firearm purchases, a major win for Democrats and gun control groups. The law was passed by the Democratic majority in the Colorado legislature this year, and it took effect in October. It was challenged by Rocky Mountain gun owners. Taylor Rhodes, who leads the hardline gun rights group, vowed to appeal the judge's ruling. The group successfully blocked enforcement of another gun control measure passed by the legislature this year that raised the age to purchase all firearms in the state to 21. The price of an average home in Colorado rose 116%, even as median wages increased just 37%. The latest installment of a Colorado Sun series on the high cost of Colorado focuses on one woman's struggle to make ends meet. Justice Wilson, a 28-year-old medical assistant who lives in Firestone, worked three other jobs but still cannot afford a home for herself and her three children. That's because skyrocketing home prices and inflation are fueling a housing crisis across the state. Wilson told The Sun she makes too much money to qualify for public assistance, but not enough to afford a permanent home for her family. In the era of inexpensive computer-assisted mapping programs, Aspen Skiing Company is holding firm to the old school with a new hand-drawn map of its flagship Aspen Mountain. The map has been revised to showcase 153 acres of new terrain that's being unveiled this season, including new chutes and glades offering more than 1,200 vertical feet of skiing served by a high-speed chairlift. The resort operator initially called the zone Pandora's, but renamed it Heroes in September with names honoring Aspen Skiing's late co-owner Jim Crown and a host of Aspen luminaries and ski patrollers. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. The Colorado Sun is nonpartisan and completely independent. We're always dedicated to telling the in-depth stories we need today more than ever. And The Sun is supported by readers and listeners like you. Right now, you can head to coloradosun.com and become a member, starting at $5 per month for a basic membership, and if you bump it up to $20 per month, you'll get access to our exclusive politics and outdoors newsletters. Thanks for starting your morning with us, and don't forget to tune in again tomorrow.